1: Great to be back with you folks. What an honor it is to come across your broadcast with me as always, my different Kevin out there in San Diego. Still good morning, Kevin.
2: Good morning.
1: How's things going for you in this March morning, brother?
2: Oh, it's marching along. God's yeah, keeping please. me. God's keeping me busy and, uh, I'm waiting for the weather to, to turn more Southern California. Like, but some people say this is the season. And there's a reason for the seasons being wet and soupy and, and chilly.
1: Well, in uh, California, never has rain like it's happened now. It's been years. And I, I was actually watching a news special last night and the, you know, the Hoover dam there on the border is, is filling up and streams are filling up and ponds and strategic, uh, uh, water supplies are filling up. So maybe God's doing that through all this. Yeah. yeah, and they were mentioning that, you know, they have this L.A. River. I, I walked down that empty riverbank one time for three and a half hours. I walked out an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes with a preacher and some people. And to the homeless people, we were passing out tracks and talking to folks and just loving on people. And it, we did about a three and a half hour thing. Probably if we had walked without stopping to speak to homeless people, it would have been a one hour walk. But we we spent a lot of time out there on that dry route. I said, I wonder if this thing ever fills up. Well, I got the answer last night watching the news, brother.
2: It's fault, man. Well, you know, Doug, I'm headed to Vegas, not for the, uh, one-armed bandits or anything like that. I'm going to Vegas because Lord willem we I'm going to start a, a wounded spirits chapter up there and, um, for veterans and, as a focus group, but I do want to go outside of the town and go to see the Hoover dam. That'd be pretty cool. You know, it took me about an
1: hour up. to go down there and I spent, I went down in the dam. I got to tell you, if you're a little bit claustrophobic. You may not want to do it, but I did it. And, you know, you go through the construction methods and things of that nature. I really enjoyed it. And right there where you park your car in the parking garage, there was a good little restaurant. But my friend said, Doug, don't eat at that restaurant. You need to go into town and try this burger place. Changed my life. I'll think about it and share with you where we went. Um, but just had some great food about 20 minutes from the dam heading back toward Vegas. And you know, I'll tell you our dear friend out there, Roger, he'll be glad to show you around. He's a good brother. And uh, so folks, here we are. We're cruising along. We're going through this terrible subject of narcissism and all these things that happen because of narcissism. All of us people who've been. Uh, had shade thrown on us, had our lives trying to be ruined, ministries trying to be taken, these liars. And, and, and you know, they all fit into this category of being used by the devil. And, and the quicker we accept that these narcissists in our life are being used by the devil, the quicker we find ourselves exactly where we need to be, on our knees, begging God for help, teaming up with someone else. If we've been physically hurt, we stop everything we're doing and we call nine one one. Uh, if it was years ago, we drive down and file a report. We got to make sure that no one else gets hurt. And then we remember the Lord teaches us that two are better than one. We hook up with a pastor or a pastor's wife, and, and we go visit people that may have been hurt or lied to. And, and we just put everything out there. We mark them that hurt us. We mark them that cause division among us. We mark them that are hurting our other friends. We, we say, listen, I just want you to know what happened in my life, and this is what I learned from God word. And as we do that, man, I'm telling you that that godly DNA that he gives us when we get saved called the Holy Spirit of God and our heart starts leaping with joy. When we get out from under this pastor who tried to ruin my life and started my narcissistic nightmare, said I heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another. Uh, let me tell you, peep, when you get uh, peeps, when you get out from under that, man, the Holy Spirit of God starts doing a work in your life. When you get out from under that control, when you get out from under that shade, when the tears are replaced by smiles, when the nights on the couch are replaced by mornings in the ministry, uh, when the weeks turn into months of positive people saved, baptized, life's being changed, friends getting right with God, that's where you go. And folks, you can be there. So we've talked about love bum and we've talked about devaluation, gaslighting, and, and intentionally sabotaging people, and uh, and how to get out of those intentionally sabotaged relationships. Is from our last broadcast. And now we find ourselves. Uh, what do we do? How do we help? How do we show people? Uh, well, first of all. They want to talk about, I think the best way to handle this, Kevin, is to call this broadcast people who won't accept responsibility and the requirements that we have with that. Well, number one, to get away from them. But I want you to think about that people who won't accept responsibility. Responsibility. The Bible's clear. This is something that actually Kevin and I covered this, I think, five weeks ago. He that covereth his sins shall not pastor, but whosoever and confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So they're never going to have mercy, Kevin. They just cover mm-hmm. things up. And so, what do you think as we go into this subject of uh, people who will not accept responsibility?
2: Yeah, you know, good leadership should should say the buck stops here. That was a Harry Trumanism, you know, Some had something to do with uh, passing a buck around a room, which was, I, I forget what even a buck was, but it wasn't a dollar. It was, a, I don't know, a, a paw of an animal or something like that. But the idea was, I'm not going to pass it to someone else. If I if it's me, I'm going to own it. And so the leader says, you know what, everything rises and falls on responsibility. So I think, you um, you know, just accepting it. There, there's a book called, uh, I was written by a Navy SEAL, something like um, Radical Ownership or something. And it had to do with a Navy SEAL writing about his experiences saying, I, I want to be a good leader. This is all on me. In, in other words, I'm not owning my people. I want them to excel. But as far as as far as this organization that I'm in charge of, you know, I take responsibility and I think narcissists are the opposite because they have crystallized in, in their being, you know, they have hardness of heart, which the Bible, you know, 43 times is, is the Bible talk about hardness of heart or hard, heart or whatever. Um, if your heart is a hardened narcissist, you you have already decided everything is someone else's fault, but I'm willing to act like it's my fault, but it's actually someone else's fault. And uh, it, I'll do whatever it takes to look like the good guy, to look like I'm in charge. But honestly, it's nothing my fault. I'm that wonderful. And, you know... Um, Classic narcissist um, person I read this in a book I forget who wrote the book But uh, I'm going to church tonight Down at what used to be It's Lighthouse Baptist used to be Skyline Wesleyan Many years ago The pastor was a man who wrote A very famous book about leadership Doug, you would know who it is It's uh, Seven Laws of Leadership Or something like that And uh, whoever wrote that book John somebody It's just uh, old age is kind of catching me there. But, um, anyway, he wrote about Henry Ford and and this is, I quote what he wrote about Henry Ford because it was so good. I made myself a personal note. It says, um, if, uh, it's, uh, Henry, Henry's instinct, this is Henry, the Henry Ford, the second, not the oldest. I think the oldest had some narcissistic traits. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. He was a Nazi but,
2: too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that, but Henry Ford II said uh, about him, it's written, Henry's instinct for survival manifested itself as craftiness combined with a kind of weakness. He had endowed one of his men, Crusoe, with the power to do virtually whatever he wished. By withdrawing his grace from another guy, Breach, and bestowing it on his lieutenant, that is, Crusoe, he had made antagonists of the two men most vital to Ford's success. So, um, the, the idea was that he, uh, w- he, he did not. Okay. This is a quote from him. Ford said, if a guy works for you, don't let him get too comfortable. Don't let him get cozier. Set in his ways. Always do the opposite of what he expects. Keep your people anxious and off balance. That's classic narcissism. So it if is. you are in a, yeah. a relationship with someone like that, I know we're up against the clock. I'll hand it back to you, brother. If you want to come back to it, we can.
1: Yeah, well, I just wanted – I actually looked up that expression years ago, passing the buck, because I went to uh, Harry Truman Museum in Independence, Missouri, and exactly what Kevin was saying, that the buck stops here. And, you know, people used to play poker all night, and it was an actual buck, uh, a coin. They would pass around. The dealer had the coin. And, uh, and so when you were dealing, you'd say, oh, I got the buck. I'm dealing But anyway, and so in the Midwest, Harry Truman was known to play poker and stuff like that. And sometimes dealers didn't want to deal and they would pass the buck. And uh, Harry Truman said the buck stops here. So I guess before Facebook, social media, all that, people actually did other things in life. But I think you're talking about John C. Maxwell and John Maxwell writes all kinds of things. Yeah, I've actually got a book not too far across the table from me. And that one was like the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership that I read a couple of years ago. Then I read it again. Now a very good book, but I got to tell you, you know, folks, when you're a narcissist, you only have one rule and we'll get back and talk to you about that in a second. But, uh, here we go. So hang with us. We're going to go ahead and let the broadcast do what they have to do and we'll be right back.
0: Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements.
1: Yeah, so as we go through and we're looking at these different things of narcissism, and there's so much. You know, as we go through this, you know, these people refusing to uh, accept responsibility and they won't do that. We got to remember, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I wrote down this verse about uh, 30 seconds into what Kevin was saying a few minutes ago. It just clicked in my mind as we were talking about people who refuse to accept responsibility responsibility and, and actually a thesis statement that I made a little while ago that I have a real hard time seeing some of these pastors and some of these people who call themselves men of God who go so far away from God's will, but they know that the, the Bible says if we say, and they call themselves saved, I have a real hard time with that. And this is one of those verses why if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The Holy Spirit of God is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, here's the, here's the crux of everything right here, I believe. The crux is we have to see a need. Uh, we have to see ourselves as a sinner. The Bible's clear. We all fall short of the glory of God. There are none righteous. No, not one. Nobody among us, this whole world, 74.8 billion people, almost 8 billion people, not one of us is without sin. So if we think we are, we find ourselves dealing with this narcissism thing. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. We're blame shifting. We're not accepting responsibility. So knowing this information, as I get ready to pass this to Kevin, I want to say this to you folks. If you know somebody who's like this and they're part of your circle and they're trying to get in and, and, and they're deceiving themselves and the truth is not with them. And, and they don't know enough to confess their sins and get right, if you know this is a mess, I think the first thing you got to do is get away from these knuckleheads. I think you have a responsibility to share and say, hey, dude, wait a minute. The Bible says over in the book of Romans we're all sinners. Uh, the Bible says over in 1 John 1, 8, and 9 that, you know, if we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves. And, but God is so merciful we can go to him. So my, my whole thought on this at this level is, get away from these people. Don't become one of these people and understand we're all sinners, Kevin.
2: Yeah. Yeah. How do you identify someone who is one that you should get away from versus one that you should kind of forbear, you know, just kind of say, well, I'm going to put up with it because I have a commitment. Um, and, and again, you don't need to violate God's word because of a commitment to man. But on the other hand, um, you know, we should do everything within our power to to keep the commitment. You know, the Bible says, he that sweareth to his hurt and changeth not. But on the other hand, if it's a duty to God to escape, you know, David escaped Saul because, um, you know, he he had ownership of his own life. He wanted to live for God and it was you know it's stupid to stay and let a guy destroy you and it may not be just physically but also emotionally and and in your will to serve God and that's when you need to escape but uh you know I was mentioning Henry Henry Ford classic narcissist on this on this wise and uh, Maxwell said in, in that irrefutable laws of leadership, his position, Henry Ford, the his position was based not on influence, but on his name and his family's control of company stock. So people that threaten you and say, I'll destroy you. If you leave, I'll, you know, I, you can't make it on your own. You, you'll, you'll go under, you know, versus someone who's soft hearted and says, you know what, like, like, you were saying, Doug. You know what? I, I blew it, man. I, what was what was I thinking? You know, I was just being a knucklehead. I was being hard-hearted. I was being a sinner, and they and they willing to to do that. But a narcissist identify them. They're the ones. Who are, who are hard the whole way through. They're like navel. You know, their heart is like stone. Uh, we're talking about the Hoover Dam. They say that the Hoover Dam has X many millions of pounds of concrete, and they say it'll never set on the inside through its lifetime because once it's crystallized or once it sets the whole way through, it loses its strength. And I think we as humans, yeah, we should have a tough exterior, tough against sin, but soft toward the sinner. So if there's someone in my life who's not living up to what I think, like you know, they're not living up to what Ford Motor Company, you know, uh, you know, I'm the guy, uh, I'm, I'm the authority, and so you have to be just like me. Um, if they're that way, they are just crystallized the whole way through. They don't have a softness toward people. They don't want other people to succeed. It's about their success. That's the people that you need to say, you know what? There is a different paradigm here. And I can't, I can't, me who am hurting on the inside, have a soft heart talking to someone who's like crystallized in this view that it's all about them. And they'll act soft on the outside, but they're actually hard on the inside danger, red flags. No, they're not beautiful streamers in the, in the park. They are red flags and it's, it's time to do something.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and, and I think that's really good. I think we need to understand folks, hard things. These are uh, under no circumstances are Kevin and I making these statements uh, without understanding the pain that's involved with a lot of the things that the Bible has us do. We get that. Uh, but to be right with God is more important than anything else. In the Army we used to say, you know, army first, families always. Well, in God's army we need to say God first, families always. And we got to understand yeah. that you know when we're putting God first, when we're when we're doing these things that um, that are getting right with God that are getting out from under oppression, and, and folks, I got to tell you this, and, and I want to say this. And I've been meaning to say this for the last couple of days, and I didn't quite know how to say this, but I just give me give me a second here to talk about what I'm thinking of, is so many people who've been hurt go right back to that type of narcissistic person again. I can't tell you, uh, I have three sisters, and they picked the worst knuckleheaded husbands you've ever met in your life. One, one of my sisters is in heaven now. And, and folks, you know, or boyfriends and, and when they'd break up and it would just be that same type of person. And that's why uh, we we've got to go to God. We've got to confess these things too and say, God, I ended up with this knucklehead. How can I not end up with another knucklehead in my life? How do I make sure my next girlfriend, my next boyfriend, my next friend, how could I make sure? Well, first of all, we got to be tuned into God. And when we're tuned into God, the things of this world grow strangely dim. And, and I think this, Kevin, I think, I think in our heart, we know the type of people we should be hanging out with. And I do believe birds of the feather flock together. I don't think we go back to the old crowd. And, and I'll tell you, folks, don't ever make the mistake, when you get out of one of these relationships, trust me on this, somebody who's hurt you, somebody who's tried to ruin you, somebody who's taken your life and shredded it, somebody who's taken five, seven, 10, 40 years of your life as a friend or whatever and ruined you, don't you dare, don't you dare sit back at the table and break bread with that person again. Just don't do it. God got your way. Go down the guard way. Here we are, Kevin. I wanted to give you 30 seconds again as we crank through the time during these broadcasts.
2: Yeah, it's easy to get sucked into someone who just seems so squeaky clean if you're if if you've got spiritual values. Be careful of the guy that looks so squeaky clean that he just has this smug look on his face or her face that they got it all together. If they can't admit they don't have it all together, then you need to avoid you know, a relationship with that person, if they can't, if they're not vulnerable in with, with sincerity, then, uh, then they, you know, they might be like King Saul who was head and shoulders above everybody else. He might look like Mr. Wonderful. She might look like Miss Perfect, but be careful. They may turn out to be someone that's just the opposite. They, they become very inflated in their own eyes. Yeah.
1: The buck stops here. It's about God. It's uh, understanding the importance of admitting and confessing when you mess up. And these people don't understand that. If they don't understand that, they're going to want to bring you down that road of sin, that road of perdition, that road that we don't find ourselves in. We serve a great God. We serve a merciful God. We serve a faithful, serving, saving, wonderful God. He is worthy. Go to him. We're looking forward to continuing on with this tomorrow. May God bless you.
0: more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at woundedspirits.com. May God bless you.